This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? Dalam kalangan manusia, ada insan yang seakan-akan terpilih untuk memikul tanggungjawab. Membaiki umat. Mudah-mudahan, kamulah insan itu, kira Hello, everybody, and welcome to Popcorn Late to the Party Culture. <laughs> you are listening to <laughs> Lynn, Sharmila, and Arvin. And uh, now, on this week of 2022, in the time in which Matkilau Kebangkitan Palawan has made over 70 million ringgit at the local box office, we are reviewing it. Uh, we took a little while, sorry about that, but here we are. It's also not just um, hit a huge amount in the box office. It's generated a fair amount of conversation, controversy, huge fans, huge detractors as well. So I think it is quite an interesting movie to talk about, particularly within the context of Malaysian cinema, Malaysian history. You know what's funny though? Uh, just a few weeks ago, we spoke about like how local movies cannot stand up against uh, Hollywood blockbusters and you know the box office intake isn't as much. The fact that Matkilau made $71 million means that it is on par or it is on track to topple Avengers Infinity War. And then I think if it's there in cinemas for a couple of more weeks, it might topple Avengers Endgame. So it'll be the highest grossing movie locally in Malaysia of all time, ever, ever, ever. And that's a weird turn of events, right? I mean, we were just saying how, you know, like Hollywood movies always dominate. And then this movie comes out and dominates. Because I'm thinking, so Malaysians have that buying power. Like, obviously, there is that buying power. It's just about which movies resonate and which movies don't. And obviously, this movie has resonated a lot. I'm still trying to understand if this movie resonates with me. And if it doesn't, I'm trying to understand if it was never meant to in the first place. Mm, I think it's which movie uh, resonates and which movie ha- resonates enough to warrant multiple rewatches. Mm, because I mm. think at this point, that's part of what's driving the driving the conversation, right? Like, actually, if you're listening to us right now and you've seen it, um, and you're planning to rewatch? let us know. But also, if you haven't watched it yet and you have no plans to, I'd also be curious to hear about it because I'm, um, like you, Arvin, I'm kind of interested in who exactly is driving the, the box office and how much of that is rewatch. How much of that is rewatch with gang? How much of that is this gang mm-hmm. then goes and tells others and then you come back with a bigger gang, you know? So it's like a whole thing. But um, as the name would suggest, the story is sort of a historical epic looking at the resistance in Pahang towards uh, the British there at the time, led by Mat Kilau, among other warriors, uh, Tok Gajah as well. So, so um, a telling of different sorts of um, Malay resistance and Malay warriors within the setting of Pahang. Um, and I think that my inability to tell you that it culminates in something, that it culminates in like a giant battle or a very specific thing that we can talk about is actually a good starting place to talk about the story because the, the story itself, while having that classic um, martial artist versus colonial colonialism structure um, doesn't have the... It has a big battle, but it doesn't have the kind of storytelling beats, I think, that you normally associate with this sort of film. Hmm. Yes, um, and, and I think that is 
partly what makes the... So partly it is actually just history, right? Yeah. Um, and another part of it is storytelling choices, which I think we can get more into later. Um, it's worth saying that this is very much made in the huge... Um, Historical epic, I think it's more akin to sort of those action historical mm. um, battle films, right? Where where basically there is an oppressed and an oppressor and the oppressed rises and there is this whole like um, realisation of coming together and then battling the oppressor. And, and that those kinds of stories, I truly think are very important, um, particularly when you live in parts of the world where you don't get your stories told very often. Um, so I watched RRR recently, which was from India. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's exactly that, right? It's a, hmm. it's an anti-colonialist, anti-oppressor film. Um, but where this gets maybe a little bit more complicated and where we're seeing a lot of the controversy come about is really who's being represented and whose story is being told. Hmm. So I did want to say, it is nice to see a local story told in this vein, in this kind of large, dramatic... Epic, grandiose. Gra yes, that is exactly mm -hmm. the word. This grandiose way. We don't get many stories like this. Um, I love the fact that we get to see Silat used as the primary way of um, fighting. Um, the movie has great action in terms of how the Silat fights are choreographed and even how they're performed. Like Everyone who does it is so good. Um, I'm a little less impressed by how they were shot um, I'm not the biggest fan of the camera work in this film and I think a lot of the really good Silat sequences were let down uh, by the filmmaking. And so I think this, at least for me, is going to be um, a through line in, in this film's discussion, which is that there are certain things that work very well and then there are other choices that I feel like undercut those things that work really well. Hmm. So I think it's also about how you sort of talk about the film to other people, right? So it's more 300 than it is Braveheart. And a lot of people have said that, is this mm -hmm. our version of Braveheart? It's, it's, it's not. It's in terms of like historical epic, quote unquote, this is more 300. Mm. So it, it is done in the grandiose way. A lot of it is fiction. A lot of it is made to be, uh, to serve an action film. And then you have like the over the top villain. You have the over the top storytelling. Um, a lot of the debate has come around the, the aesthetics and the sound of the movie. So a lot of people have said that, you know, it sounds like, um, a lot of the sound effects are from like 80s action films or maybe like 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of like squishing and squelching. We also say. a lot of um, 80s Tamil and Hindi films. Exactly. The dishum dishumness of it all. <laughs> exactly. that. But watching a lot of uh, interviews, it seems like the filmmakers were intentional and deliberate. Like they were inspired by Tamil movies, uh, Bollywood movies, a lot of Kung Fu movies from, from the 80s, Hong Kong movies. So I'm again, it goes back to if this was all intentional, is that why there's such a divide? So some people definitely like resonate with it. Some people like don't buy into it. It's the same kind of like some people like Fast and Furious. Some people don't, especially, uh, you know, specifically when it comes to aesthetics and sound and the design of the, the look and feel of the film. So it didn't work for me this sound design, I mm, have to mm, say. It's mm. something that I found very distracting. Um, and that actually... So I love tributes to um, classic action um, across yep. the board. Classic Asian action, I would say, because that's where these sound effects mostly come from. The, the stomping on the boards, the pomp, pomp, you know, like all those kinds of sounds. But then it has to sync up. So um, I think that there were a few moments where the sound fell out of sync, which was distracting to me. Um, but also the... In some ways, because it's kind of an over-the-top film and, and it's done that way on purpose because it's meant to ramp up emotions in a very specific way, right? Uh, it also means that things that probably shouldn't sound like that now sound like that. So in other words, me 
pushing your chest sounds like I'm breaking your ribs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and things like that to me didn't work so well. Um, in that same vein, I... Um, I guess my primary or or one of my primary complaints about it, the other one we can get to later, that one's a storytelling one. But one of my primary complaints about it is actually that I don't think that it's a successful action film. And I wish it was because I am happy for all the people who feel seen by the story of a Malay hero who feel represented. I think that's great. Um, I, I think that it's a valuable thing. You see this happen. You've got your RRRs, you've got your Ipman, you, you see it happen elsewhere. Mm, mm. Um, then I wish, therefore, that the action had been shot in a more cohesive way because the silat is really beautiful. Um, the moments in which there are, um, especially, you know, man-to-man combat, it's really, you can tell that the choreography is careful. You can tell that it's well done. But there is no sense of place or weight or uh, continuity. And I think that that's a function of the editing because um, the action scenes are very choppy. They're often close when perhaps you need to be a bit further to see the the choreography. And that to me undercut it because there are so many action scenes and it's supposed to be an action film. Yes, um, I really wish that the action looked better, Mm. not not for lack of trying on the part of whoever who choreographed the fights or those performing the fights, but just the way it's shot and edited really doesn't work. The way they are staged, as in where they are staged, what we get Mm. to see also doesn't work very well. And these issues actually extend in a larger sense. um, This is supposed to be pahang, right? Um, And they're supposed to be kampongs. They're supposed to be places where the sultan meets with his people. None of these spaces are distinctive where I look at it and I go like, ah, okay, I get this is what a kampong would have looked like at Matkilao's time. And you get where that kampong is in relation to the palace. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In relation Mm -hmm. to the colonial centre. Where is this battle happening? The function of these things is to put you in that place. And this film doesn't really manage to do that. It all kind of happens and lurches from thing to thing um, without a, a real sense of like, ah, this is what we want the audience to feel at this point. So for me, the downside when it came to action was the lack of Yayan Ruhian. Uh, so he choreographed the the, the fights, uh, as far as I know. So he choreographed the fight scenes and stuff. Um, but I think like when you have him in a movie, even though he's there quite a lot, like he shows up in basically a lot of the scenes, I feel like you have to supercharge the guy, like have him in like fight scene after fight scene after fight scene. So he, he was in the raid. So that's where he became famous, right? And he's done a bunch of like Southeast Asian uh, action movies since then. He's also in Star Wars. He's, he's also in yeah. Star Wars. He shows up in The Force Awakens. Uh, you put him in every fight scene you can. So that was my sort of like, uh, my sort of nitpick. I was like, if, if you see him, he mm. needs to get off the horse and fight, 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 and then get back on the horse and then get off the horse and fight, 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 fight again. <laughs> um, so that was my thing. He does have one extended fight scene, but I felt like it wasn't enough. We're talking today about Mat Kilau Kebangkitan Pahlawan, which of course has been a runaway success uh, in the local box office, but as we've been saying, has also generated a lot of conversation, both um, both good and bad, I think, in many mm-hmm. ways. Uh, let us know if you've seen Mat Kilau and uh, whether you enjoyed it. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9 We will continue to pressure them until they give their lands to us. Do not forget, East Coast is our new mission. Orang-orang British nak mula tujuh pelang. Tanah Melayu dalam bahaya. Apa yang telah kau lakukan pada tanah kami telah melanggar kedaulatan undang-undang orang Melayu dan juga mencabar Sultan. 
penjajah Inggeris Keparat dan segala tali barut harus diperang habis-habisan. Hello everybody, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin and together today we are reviewing Mat Kilau. Um, so thus far, what we've spoken about has uh, primarily been on the way that the movie is shot. Um, we've also kind of touched on the fact that the action scenes maybe weren't as as extended or, or shot in a way that kind of really maximizes them. Now, for what to me anyway is going to be the central point of my criticism, uh, which is that I don't think it is enough for a movie about patriotism and um, and land and religion to be only about patriotism, land and religion. Or rather, there has to be a distinction between what the movie is about and what the characters are invested in. And, mm. and that part, um, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's happening. Because um, I, I've seen comparisons drawn, uh, as we've all been saying, to other similar films that kind of champion these ideas of fighting for your people, fighting for your place in the world. And they pointed out that in every situation, um, other people are always villainized. That's part of the point of these films. And I get that. But I think the characters and the dialogue and the rhythm of the movie then has to be varied and interesting. In other words, the characters themselves have to have other motivations. Um, in this case, even wives aren't considered important in the face of this battle. Even, you know, Fathers, it's there's just a lot that gets lost, I think, when it comes to character motivation, and that ended up dulling the edge for me. Oh, absolutely. I think the fact that every character that is fighting the British, um, basically in this case, uh, the Malay warriors and their families and their friends, um, uniformly are only given one motivation, which is this is our land, we want to preserve our culture, our religion, and, and our ownership over this space. That is all, right? Nobody's given any other motivation, any other storyline, any other way of differentiating them. And then it doesn't help that not everyone is a great is doing a great job in terms of the acting. So some people do very well. Uh, Beto Kushairi is one of the standouts, I think. Yayan Ruhian, who plays Toga, who is a Bornean assassin, um, was also very, very good. But then everyone else, because one, they're written fairly shallowly um, and then don't necessarily perform anything more than that um, don't leave a huge impression and then on the other side of it you have examples of this being writ large in for instance the white people who are all laughably uniformly quite bad in their both characterization and performance and then you get to what is probably the more problematic aspects which are the non-malay characters um, and again, I don't think the criticism here is that they need to all be uniformly heroic, but they also don't all need to be villainized with absolutely no depth. And I hmm. think that ends up being the problem. About Wahid, right? I want to say that, you know, his performance with uh, with the weapons that he uses, just, just to shout out, um, he honestly made me believe that he knows how to use those weapons. And I know that they went through training and it's the, it's the I don't know what the, the name is for those things, but like the sickle, the blades. Um, I completely believe like he knew how to use that. And those fight scenes were okay. Again, going back to the, maybe the camera work didn't serve it as much, but those fight scenes worked. Um, coming to the villain, right? Speaking about motivations, I I, I was interested to know if the villain was supposed to be that over the top um you know what i mean like you mentioned the british and here it's like you know we, we are not supposed to empathize with him not supposed to sympathize with him and he has no other motivation other than he wants to kill the locals and that's about it like he is evil he in, wants to show the locals who's boss who's boss yeah. and he's like evil incarnate so 
was that is that also an action movie trope like is that also like an action historical epic kind of thing where this is the bad guy and you are not supposed to have any sort of feeling like he's a human being you know what you know what i mean because he's played like a supervillain my dudes i think it's a combination of many things um so um <laughs> i i we have all been drawing on Asian cinema quite a bit. And I think that that's because there is a rich tradition in Asian cinema of action films in this exact vein. Um, in these films, the characters who are foreign are also often exactly like this, right? Mm. Like they speak a certain way. Um, they almost have like a playbook of evil British. And then they just flip to something and go, yeah, the natives. You know? So <laughs> it's like, and, and this movie kind of speaks to that as well. Um, so I feel like it's, to me, it was a trope, and I'm not even sure if it's an action movie trope or if it's an Asian anti-colonial action movie trope, um, which, I mean, this falls squarely within. La. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know whether we're meant to be laughing at them because like that happened a fair amount of times. Um, but I think even even in, in a lot of other Asian anti-British, anti-colonialist films, you get this sort of broad, moustache-twirling, caricaturish vil- villains, right? And and I didn't... I don't think that alone was a huge issue. I don't think it was the best thing for the film. Can I come back to the question that you raised earlier, Sharmila, about a lack of distinction between the characters? Because, of course, if everybody's fighting for the same thing, then there's no then everybody is kind of the same. And, and I think that the movie kind of lays groundwork for potentially interesting storylines that it then abandons. Questions about Mat Lau's style of leadership, whether that's best suited for the kind of war that they're trying to fight, uh, whether he's balancing interpersonal relations in his little um, you know, clan very well, like his little clan of warriors. So that lack of distinction just had me thinking. If the movie was called, as it is, Mat Lau, and they never introduced the main character... You don't have somebody saying, Kilau, something, something, something. You don't mm. have him tell you his name in a, in a pantun. Um, would you have been able to have identified that this guy is supposed to be Mat Kilau versus the others? You know, I don't think so. Um, and, and I think, again, that has to do with the fact that um, the movie doesn't actually work very hard to build up anyone's character. But also the movie does all these things where, I mean, it, it opens up these questions here and there right, about like stuff about betrayal and stuff about mm. different motivations and characters that might be taking a different turn. And I feel like it shouldn't have pulled back when that was happening. Like it was going someplace and then you get a bit of like complex storytelling and you're like, OK, does this person have layers and are they going to do something and add to the story? And then it goes back to being an action film. So, you know, that that whole balance of it. Right. I think at the end of the day, it's. For me personally, it's it's a feeling of being left out uh, because you have a, a story about, you know, battling like colonialists. And, and this is uh, it's a very Malaysian story. And everyone has grandparents who have, you know, has told you stories about like what's it like living in those times, uh, what their parents might have gone through and, and you know, different historical elements. Right. Um, for me, it's the seeing proxies for your grandparents being either like villains or the bad people in the movie mm. or, you know, schemers or, you know, just sort of char- characters that you don't want to relate to. I think that is the part that just it, I don't know if the word is hurt, but the word is being left out from such a massive film. Like if this is the biggest film in Malaysia, it becomes a Malaysian thing. Um, and I just feel that that feeling of being left out just bugged me a bit. La. And, and it's because of those proxies, right? Um, yeah. And, and because those are the only ones that are there. 
Um, there mm-hmm. is no complexity. I, I'm not saying that there weren't um, villains from all communities or betrayers from all communities. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that that is the only representation often of non-Malays does feel a little bit alienating. Mm. Um, I agree entirely. And I just wanted to add on something structural about the movie that in some ways makes it worse, which is that um, we talked about this, it pulls its punches. So the movie pulls its punches a fair amount, literally, uh, where you know, you're about to like deliver a death blow and it cuts away, or it simply just goes to another scene and, and you're left wondering, like you said, Arvin, every time it approaches a complex moment, it pulls back. Um, and so it is because of that continuous pulling back and pulling away that the then issues of, I wouldn't even say representation, it's, it's proxy, you're right, the, mm. the issues of the, the proxies being given very little to do, or in some cases being given a lot to do, but only in a very specific sense, um, that I think exacerbates this feeling. So you're neither, so you feel left out, but then you also don't feel satisfied. I, I think that that was the main thing for me um, with this film, that I, I felt unsatisfied leaving it. You started the review earlier, Arvin, by saying, it's nice to see this level of something making this kind of money. Mm-hmm. The one thing I took away from this film is that we can make films like this. Um, and I want to see films like this made with more nuance, with more care. Um, I think that's something I'd love to see more uh, as we move forward. I mean, I, I echo that completely. If a Malaysian film is the highest grossing film in mm. the country, that's something. Like, And we're talking about like Marvel stuff, like Star Wars stuff. That's as it should be, right, actually? As Mm. it should be. We've been talking today about Mat Kilau Kebangkitan Pahlawan, which was uh, directed by Shamsul Yusof. Uh, It stars Datu Adiputra in the the main roles. Also got Betu Kushairi, Fatah Amin. Uh, Let us know, have you seen Mat Kilau and did you enjoy it? WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.